the property pod. 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 pod welcome to the property pod with moneyweb the property sector is an ever-changing sector and in this podcast series your host suren naidu chats to movers and shakers in the property industry welcome to the property pod south africa's premier property investor podcast my name is suren naidu and on this weekly show we gain insider insights from leading property industry CEOs, directors, analysts, developers and other stakeholders in the industry. We are profiling leading women in the property sector in August, which is Women's Month in South Africa. Today's podcast is slightly different as we have a politician on the line. Politics aside, if you pay close attention, you will notice that one of the country's hardest working ministers is the Minister of Human Settlements, Mama Loko Kubai. She has not been in the position for a long period, but is making her mark. Minister Kubai was previously Minister of Tourism and after a cabinet reshuffle in August 2021 by President Cyril Ramaphosa, she was appointed Head of the Department of Human Settlements, which many of you may still colloquially refer to as the Housing Department. We are naturally talking housing on the podcast today with the Minister, but also about women's empowerment since it's Women's Month. We also get insight from the Minister on the Department's latest plans and developments. A very warm welcome to the Property Pod, Minister Kubai. Thank you very much, um, Suren, and looking forward to the engagement. Before we talk women empowerment in housing, Minister, tell us you've been in the human settlements portfolio for about two years now. What has been your key focus and priorities in the department and uh, what are some of the achievements during this time? One of the priorities firstly was for me to stabilize the portfolio. When I arrived, I found entities that were not having leadership in terms of accountability, leadership in the department, which now I believe we've been able to achieve. We've got all the entities that have bought. We've got all the entities that have CEOs. And now where we are sitting, we've got um, senior management in the department as well who are actually, as we speak, have been appointed. So that can be an achievement. Second thing was for me to focus on systems in the Mm. department, pay attention to about what government provides and what's provided and what is it that we provide for society and is it sustainable. We had to have engagement with National Treasury about our offerings and what we need to achieve. Out of that, we've been able to get a review of some of our grant systems but also strengthened our monitoring and evaluation. So part of the problem that we have currently is that you would have projects that have been done and no one could tell where they were in the process and incomplete projects. So we've now quantified them to almost 1.9 million units that were unfinished. We had a tendency of not accountability. When you find contractors will come, do the work, not finish, and they will be no, not held accountable. So um, termination and contract management was a bit weak. So we had to strengthen contract management and also try to make sure as national that we hold our provinces accountable. So that, I can say, is something that, yes, some has been achieved, but it's work in progress um, in terms of the work that we are doing. But again, in terms of communication, we've held community engagement. 
where it has been clear in terms of policy gaps, you'd have had as we celebrate the Women's Month, where I talked about policy gap in terms of responding to women needs, where in terms of ownership versus a beneficiary in terms of um, household for women. When they leave based on gender-based violence, their homes, and then as government, we say we cannot provide them that support because they are regarded as having previously uh, benefited. So those are some of the policy reviews. The achievement of my fight now is to say, now a third portfolio that I'm at have arrived, looked at policies that were old as 1996 and reviewed, and this is the other one that I'm paying attention to, and will be going into cabinet to present a white paper on human settlements. Thank you for that, Minister. The housing and land ownership question are major issues still in South Africa, considering our history. What is the current housing backlog, if you have uh, some sort of number for us? And share some insights on the department's policy changes. I noticed that there was a policy change uh, announced in March to accelerate housing delivery in the country. Yes, we have built more than 3 million houses the ones that are falling under PNG, which is your normal way to say RGP. And the current backlog as well, we are told, is at 3 million. And I say 3 million because, uh, and I'm told, it's because the number fluctuates. Number fluctuates based on the performance of the economy. When the economy is not doing well, we find a lot more people looking for houses. Whereas when it's doing well, people have hope that, no, I will be able to work I can save money. I can be able to buy a house. Therefore, I can get out of the uh, beneficiary list. I'm currently, as we speak, having a discussion with my team. We're celebrating women in the portfolio. And one of the issues they're raising is that public servants who are supposed to be supported, you find that majority of them are staying in former settlements because they are either over-indebted or even they don't qualify based on the bond uh, uh, qualification criteria. And part of what we had to do was to review policy to be able to start looking at government employee schemes and say, can we work together with the Department of Public uh, Service and Treasury so that we can provide a solution? Uh, Also, that's one of the areas that we are reviewing. Second area of review was around what we provide in terms of the houses. You know that we've had challenges in terms of energy security. But also I had people living with disability coming to me to say, as we build the houses, we remain vulnerable. We are not able to defend ourselves. And we had to take the decision to say all the houses of um, people with disability will be put with butler bars for safety and security. Secondly, with um, energy security that as we go forward, we'll Mm. be able to put um, the solar panels so that we relieve even municipalities of the burden of the households that are not able to afford to pay them rates and taxes and also electricity. But again, what we had done as well was to be able to say going forward, we're introducing alternative building technologies. Alternative building technologies will help us to fast track the rate and the pace that we are building houses. Because you know that within two weeks you are able to build your house. Uh, and it can come to a reasonable price. And that's what we are trying to do, learning from our global partners in that context. Out of interest, Minister, why the change in name from Housing Department to the Department of Human Settlements? I know the change didn't happen during your time, but it's worth talking about in terms of creating communities as opposed to just housing. Not true. Um, It's because we wanted to start responding to everything. You'd know that previously we'd have houses built because the Department of Housing was just mandated to build houses. 
Now, as you go over time, you find that those houses are built. There's no water, there's no electricity, there's no sanitation. And they are standing there. But where these houses are built, there's no social amenities. Uh, places to play for children, um, your clinics, your social amenities. And that's why it was changed. But that's why the concept you see, when we build mega cities, we make provision for a site for a clinic or a hospital. We make provision for a site for a, a police station. And then we make provision for a park for children to be able to. But also we make a provision, for example, for a mall, for economic or a business center, for economic opportunities. And that's one of the concepts why we had to start thinking towards building a, a society. If you look at our grants, that's why in the municipalities, when we give them grants, we give them human, what we call urban development grant, which is USDG. Mm. Then urban development, uh, development, yeah, urban development uh, grant, which is what we are giving them. They are able to bring the roads in it within the municipalities, which is the metros. They are able to build parks. They are able to build uh, recreational facilities based on that allocation. So the money now is responding to the whole building of a society, of a community that has better condition and uh, amenities. Thanks for that, Minister. Excuse, uh, just to let the audience know that uh, we're speaking to the Minister from an event. So she's uh, multitasking. She's taking the call on the sidelines of an event. So the sound quality sometimes might not be 100%. But aside from that, Minister, back to our conversation, it has been a busy week for South Africa with the country hosting the BRICS Summit. I'm not sure if you were involved with BRICS per se, but the department has just launched the Riverside View Social Housing Project near Deep Slot in Johannesburg. The department dubs it as another of its mega housing projects. Tell us about this development as... Uh, it is in a troubled part of Johannesburg, which has seen uh, quite a lot of service delivery protests recently. Yes, the the project in Deep Slot is one of uh, the projects that we have that will be able to assist us to respond to the challenges of society, but also it closes the special development that we talked about. So if you look at it, you'd have next to it, not very far, you've got same city, an upmarket development, mm that is privately owned. Just when you look through stone, you have this development. That's one of the issues that we talk about when we say we are closing apartheid legacy, where you have the rich very far away from the people who are middle class or the poor. That's the first thing. The second issue is that it's a mixed development that is able to respond to issues of integration of society. And that's why it's important for us to continue in this context of mixed development, ensuring society you don't have those who have, who do not have, segregated, but also away from opportunities. Thirdly, you'd understand the challenge that Deep Slot has always had in terms of growth, and that's why this development means a lot because it responds not only as well to Deep Slot, but to a broader society in the area of Johannesburg. It's one of our biggest. That will give us more than 10,000 units in the area, and that's what we do. We're finishing phase one and phase two, and we are sorting of phase three in terms of social housing, where it provides for rental space. We have actually previously talked about the issue of um, majority of the people or 80% of the people you find in informal settlements not qualifying for RDPs. Mm. Therefore, when we provide this type of social housing where they are able to rent, it assists 
in reducing the burden in terms of having this in the areas where people are closer to work and also because they don't qualify for BNGs and they are not looking for BNGs, it does provide that solution. Just out of interest, Minister, the first two phases, how many houses were part of the first two phases? I'll verify the number just and give you before we finish just now. Okay. Um, talking about women's empowerment now, uh, Minister Kubai, as a woman in a leadership role, earlier in August at a Women's Month event in Kimberley in the Northern Cape, you were pretty vocal about women empowerment and said meaningful economic participation of women in the human settlement sector is a non-negotiable. You also announced a 40% set-aside for women-owned enterprises in terms of access to grant-funded projects in your department. Can you share your views firstly on women empowerment and then a little bit more broadly about the, the detail around the set-aside plan? Yeah, on the 40%, we qualify it as a 40% set-aside for overall budget. That comes to almost 11 billion that we are setting aside for women to participate um, in terms of our part. So how we evaluated, we looked at our grants and then we looked at um, what that 40% is. And out of that, all provinces, the metros, when they spend, they are expected to spend 40% of that grant into women. So that's we quantify it to 11 billion. And we're saying without us being able to be deliberate about setting aside and being able to say this is how much must we spend and also how we are going to spend it, then it's important for us to be able to set aside and be deliberate about it. Because over time, we know that over years, we've been talking about transformation. And I always say to people, when we talk about transformation, people, we must create systems. But people do not have to talk to Mamunuko as a minister to be able to know that they can benefit. Systems must be created to all the women, whether which race previously disadvantaged, because we know as we look into this country, all women of all races were disadvantaged now. These opportunities must be made available for them so that they can be able to catch up. And it's not about, because sometimes I get people misunderstanding my stance on transformation as if I'm fighting for those who are connected. Fortunately, in weekend, we had a woman whom I helped, I think, a couple of years ago, I think 2017, I couldn't even remember, who stood up and said, I do believe that we can do more. We are working, we are women, we are now supporting your sector because this is the opportunity you gave us previously. And that's what we mean about real transformation, that the systems must work to be able to make sure that those who previously couldn't achieve or couldn't enter sectors are able to enter. So the transformation in my advocation and what I was saying there, I was saying all of us must be deliberate about it, must create a conducive environment. But I was also saying to the women that they must be able to take their work serious. When they're given projects, they must finish the project on time within a budget, but also they must not go around asking for favors because this is what is available for all of them. They don't have to come and meet minister because sometimes we find entrepreneurs misunderstand. They say they want to come and present to the minister. So part of what we were doing, we were educating them about the do's and don'ts and compliance with hmm. the SMA, compliance with the constitution. Thank you for that, uh, Minister. Before you go, Minister, I've been meaning to get you on the property pod for a while. Of course, uh, housing is a key part of the property industry, as it were. And I wanted to ask 
ask you about government's uh, FLISP program, which is Finance Linked Individual Subsidy Program, the initiative that government launched a few years ago. I believe its name has been changed. What is it referred to now? And just to add on there, for those who don't know about it, please tell our listeners about this program, which is essentially targeted at the gap housing market. Yes. The reason I yes. also ask is also that private in- developers are also quite interested in it. I found it fascinating that the likes of even uh, JSE listed Baldwin properties were punting FLISP a few years ago. Yes. On, on the first, it's called first home financing. Uh, when you look at the first home financing, it's meant as well for those who do not qualify for BNG because they have an income and those who are falling. Uh, below what bonds are providing. So what we have here is individual, for example, and we're currently looking at expanding it. I've been having conversations with BASA and also with various um, FDIs that can assist us in government to expand this work um, in terms of what we can be able to achieve. Currently, what you have in the country, you've got missing little. You've got people that can be provided for by government mm. and you've got people that the banks do not provide for in terms of the bonds because their income is below the requirement. Banks currently are sitting at 27, so you've got to have an income of 27000 a month as a household and above to be able to qualify for a home loan. Whereas in government, you need to earn less than 3.5 to qualify for a free house. So that gap that exists currently you have people who are not. And one of the conversations I've been having this week was that you still have people who are in between 22,000 and 27, still not being qualified anyway in terms of provision of housing that I'm currently working on to find a solution of. So those who are 22 and below as an income, we currently cater for them. They apply through our NHFC, which is National Housing Finance Corporation. They apply to the provided in terms of a grant so they get a loan from the bank uh, because the bank would ordinarily not provide them with a loan of the housing so because of us providing a grant as a subsidy then the banks are able to provide so they've got to pay it back so it's not a free housing but it's what we are providing as a gap market uh, intervention as government so that's what we are doing in terms of the work that we are doing on first home financing. I just thought, let me just give you, in terms of the social housing that you asked me about, we are going to launch tomorrow. Mm. It's 1,180 residential units that we've got completed now. It's an apartment of 180 units. Thanks for that, Minister. Minister, do you have any concluding remarks, either on Women's Month or um, issues around housing, like the mega city developments in South Africa that uh, even the president is pushing for? Because we haven't really had a uh, yes. development of a post-apartheid uh, new city, yes. as it were, besides the, uh, some of the developments by the private sector. Yes. No, definitely. Look, the, the issue, firstly, my message to in this month of women, I think um, there's quite a lot as a country that we've been able to do in terms of representation of women. We do need to increase in terms of empowerment, where in critical sectors we should be able to make sure that women are able to play a role in terms of entrepreneurs that exist, but also support them. The second area is that um, we do know to the plight of women especially in areas where there's construction mafias and business forums 
who come and disrupt their businesses and as women have no way of defending themselves, We've been engaging with the security cluster to try and help us. There's been quite a lot of stories that are disturbing about women having to abandon projects because they can't defend themselves. And they've been saying, Minister, sometimes we get raped in our sites and also sometimes we get threatened, even sometimes threatened to be raped or threatened to be killed in our sites. Otherwise, then we have to abandon our businesses. And this, for me, if it happens to 60% of our population, it means our democracy can be stable. And that's why I want to appeal that we work together, both government, civil society and communities, to actually protect our democracy and protect our women in our communities. In that way, we know would have protected our democracy, would have created a conducive environment, but a better South Africa for all of us. And the other issue I want to raise um, around uh, properties, to those that have been, including women, and many being in this month that they are still looking forward for us to providing a service. We are doing our best. We have not forgotten them. I know many have been waiting for many years. We're trying to find interventions that can make our work easy so that we can we don't take more than 10 years to deliver or upgrade informal settlements, but we can turn around the quicker time. Hence, we bring in interventions such as alternative building technologies. We do believe that those will allow us to move faster and be able to provide the services to the community. Thank you very much. Minister, thank you so much for your time. I was particularly liked your comments around uh, the issue of women's safety because we also know about construction yes. mafia issues in South Africa, yes. but it is Women's Month. So thank you, uh, Minister, for your time. That was Mamaloko Kubai, the Minister of Human Settlements. Thanks for listening to the MoneyWeb Property Pod with Suren Naidu. To listen to more episodes, go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates. Follow Suren on Twitter at Suren Naidu for more of his property industry content and other business stories.